Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I like our hymns and uh, uh, the song that was just sung by my wife there. And uh, not that I necessarily planned them that way. As a matter of fact, Layla picked out the hymns. Um, she knows more about what I can sing and can't sing than I do. And uh, but uh, it does go along with our message uh, this morning. A lot of the songs that we were singing, and this could be a message for uh, the lost person or the saved person. Um, but I will say this, I think one thing that's plaguing uh, Christendom today, something that's plaguing uh, the church age in which you and I live in, um, I would just say plaguing a lot of believers, those that are saved and on their way to heaven, uh, is apathy. Apathy. Um, just a lack of concern for the things that God emphasizes. And uh, certainly we could talk about a bunch of different things, but we're going to be looking at the subject of apathy uh, this morning. And I'm going to ask you, if you will, to stand in reverence to the Word of God, Acts chapter 13. Um, if you were in Sunday school this morning, we were in the beginning part of Acts chapter 13. And just want to strongly encourage you, I'm not sure what's so important that you can't be at Sunday school, but maybe you have a good reason. But if not, boy, I encourage you to be at Sunday school Love Sunday school. A lot of times we have time for comments and questions and those types of things. You can certainly uh, learn a lot and grow in the Lord. Uh, so be at Sunday school. Acts chapter 13, we're going to be looking at a big portion of the whole chapter, but we're only going to read two verses, talk about some things in between. But uh, we're going to look at verse 26. Acts chapter 13, verse 26. Uh, notice what Paul says here, and, and I'll explain the background after we read the text here in just a moment. But he's saying, men and brethren... And I believe that word brethren mainly has to do with fellow Jews. He says, men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham. But notice what it says, and whosoever among you feareth God. To you is the word of this salvation sent. So these were some people who had a knowledge, a certain fear of God, but it appears that they really didn't understand what salvation was all about. And so he, he says, I want to tell you some things, and then he does. And we'll talk about that, but then we're going to skip down to verse 40. Verse 40, after he testifies of the wonderful things of God, uh, he says, verse 40, that first word, beware. Beware, therefore. What this is telling us is that we are responsible for what we hear. Amen? Hey, listen to me. Whether you're saved or lost this morning, that we're responsible for what we hear from the word of God. Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you, which is spoken of, the, uh, spoken of in the prophets. And we'll read verse 41 and explain that in just a little bit. But I just want you to understand that tonight, today we're talking about beware of apathy. Beware of apathy. Father, we ask your blessing upon the preaching, uh, teaching, reading of the Word of God this morning. And uh, Father, I, I can't speak for other people, but I know that there's times in my life where I've dealt with apathy, and, and the Father probably will again. And uh, Lord, it's just something I think that we as human beings, we, we tend to struggle with at times. And so, Father, help us to understand that, like many other things, that is certainly a work of the flesh and not of the Spirit. It is something that we don't want in our lives at any time. And so, Father, I hope and pray you'll speak to our hearts. And, Father, whether we're here lost today and simply just have apathy towards uh, what heaven and hell is and about being a Christian and living the right kind of life we should live, or, Father, maybe the believer that is saved but, but has apathy towards uh, some things, as we've mentioned already, that you emphasize in your word, but we neglect. And, Father, help us all to understand what you'd have us to understand here this morning. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. You can go ahead and be seated. We learned this morning in Sunday school that Paul and Barnabas were sent out of the church in Antioch 
uh, in what is known today as Syria, and uh, uh, was uh, sent out uh, from that church, uh, what most believe is uh, Paul's first missionary journey. And they arrive in another town that's called Antioch, not Antioch of Syria, uh, but Antioch uh, of Pisidia, uh, uh, not the same Antioch that the great Gentile church that we talked about in Sunday school uh, there, but another uh, church, uh, another area that is uh, uh, in modern-day Turkey, or referred to in the Bible as Asia Minor. And so Paul went to the synagogue there. So there were some Jewish, uh, Jews folks, Jewish folks there, and he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath. That would be a Saturday. Uh, and he's given permission to speak, which was uh, not uncommon to do. And so there were certainly Jews there that feared God, but, but I believe also Gentiles as well, as I mentioned a while ago, that had a certain knowledge, a certain fear of God, uh, but they had never accepted Christ. They knew nothing of being saved by God's grace through faith. And so Paul's message, we're not going to read it, it actually begins there in verse 14 and goes all the way down to verse 41, then he gives the charge. But, but uh, Paul gives really a, a, a short but forceful, uh, to the point uh, message. Uh, he gives a quick history of the, ch- of the children of Israel, uh, a message very similar that Stephen had preached not many years before, uh, in which Stephen lost his life because he preached it. Amen? And uh, certainly something to think about as well. But we find Paul, who was there at the stoning of Stephen, actually. Now we find him preaching that same type of message as well. And he speaks of Israel's time. And he goes all the way back to being delivered out of Egypt. We sing uh, the song there, When I See the Blood. He talks about their 40 years in the wilderness, their entrance into the promised land. He preaches about the time of judges. It's all in there. He talks about the time of kings, and, and particularly King David, by whom we know that that through David, through the flesh that is, came our Savior, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul even speaks about John the Baptist, one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And then Paul says, after he says all these things, look at verse 26. Uh, We read it a while ago, but he says, Men and brethren, so he's preached these things. He says, Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you uh, feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sin. So he's saying, listen, I'm giving you a message. This is from God. And he goes on to explain some other things. And then he gives that warning in verse 40. Beware, therefore. We're responsible for what we hear this morning. Amen. We're responsible for what we read in the Word of God. Uh, what is taught in the Word of God as well. And I believe that God and uh, Paul even would be saying that this sermon is for anybody who will listen as we looked at that word, whosoever. So what would this message reveal? In other words, in other words, we, we understand what the message would be about. We could plainly see that. But how should it leave us this morning? You know, a message always ought to leave you a certain way. Sometimes I say, don't leave here the same way you came in. Amen? If you do, you know, it's, you know that's, that's sad. You, hey, listen, you don't have to either, by the way. And don't blame the preacher. Don't blame the music. Don't blame, hey, it's, if you leave here the same way you came in, it's because of you, not God. Amen? So God wants to do something in all of our lives this morning. First thing He wants to do, if you're not saved, to be saved. And if you are saved, He wants you to understand Him just a little bit better than you did the day before. And so Paul is saying this sermon is for anybody who will listen. And certainly it reveals that God, uh, first of all, as we, if you read all of this and how God was working in the Israelites' life as He went through all those different stages and those many, many centuries even, those many, many years, it reveals that God's always working in the lives of men. 
Isn't that wonderful to know? And when I say the lives of men, I'm not talking about just males, but we're talking about working in the lives of mankind, men, women, boys, and girls. He's always working uh, in our lives. And certainly he has been working through Israel even since the time of Abraham. And even today, although we're in the church age and Israel has been set aside for a season, he is still working through Israel. And I praise the Lord for that and working for Israel. And he's working for you as well. And certainly when we think about the children of Israel, God has has dealt with their disobedience. He has dealt with their unfaithfulness. Yet he's always been compassionate on Israel as well. And, and, and He has guided them and He has protected them. Uh, God was, and again, He still is working all the time uh, in the nation of Israel. But I believe that His greatest work for all of mankind was sending His Son, Jesus Christ, who left the portals of glory, amen, who left heaven, who condescended and took on human form and arrived in a manger as a baby and lived a sinless life so that He might be the one last sacrifice, the only sacrifice that doesn't just cover our sin, but taketh away the sin of the world. Amen! I hope you're not so apathetic this morning that don't do something to you. Amen! His greatest work was sending His Son, Jesus Christ. And Paul really had said all that he said to share that one point, to say, hey, that Jesus is Messiah. He spoke of his death and his burial and his resurrection and uh, how Jesus was crucified, buried, yet rose again. Notice what he says in verse 38 and 39. And we'll get to preaching here in just a moment, but I want to lay some groundwork. Verses 38, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached uh, unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe are justified from all things. Amen from which we could not be justified by the law of Moses. What a wonderful reminder that is. Paul says, man is not saved by works. He's not saved by keeping the law. The law is good. But we're not saved by the law. Man is justified, as we've seen already, through faith in Jesus Christ, that is, by His grace. And I wonder how many this morning might be working at being saved. I wonder how many might be trying to maintain some level of merit or some level of acceptance. Let me just kind of, in parentheses here just for a moment, I think a lot of us, we understand that we're saved by God's grace and we're saved because of His unmerited favor. We simply put our faith and trust in the grace of God to save us. and, And many of us know that and we know that we're on our way to heaven. But a lot of us that are saved, we want to serve God not the way we were saved. In other words, how we want to serve God is we want to serve Him by by doing things and thinking that God's going to love me more the more that I do. And so here's what we do. We kind of get out of sorts with God and we haven't been to church perhaps. We don't really do anything as far as the Great Commission is concerned. And so what do we do? We run to God and we start trying to make up for lost time. And say, well, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do that. And now I've leveled it out a little bit. And now, you know, I've worked, whew, got back in good standing with God. But the problem with that is we taper back off again, right? And then we got to work really hard. <laughs> hey, listen, just love Jesus the way you're supposed to. Emphasize what the Bible emphasizes, and you'll just keep growing with Jesus. Amen? Hey, listen, don't, hey, we're not, we don't, we don't work to be saved. We don't work to even stay saved. We work because we're saved. Amen. 
Amen. Just, just a little parenthesis there. I thought I'd throw that in. So I wonder how many this morning might be working at being saved. I wonder how many might just be working uh, some level of merit or acceptance uh, from God. Hey, listen, we're saved through faith, and we serve through that same faith in the grace of God as well. But then Paul says in verse 40, he gives this message, and he says, Beware. You know, anytime the Bible says beware, we ought to pay attention. And he says in verse 41, he explains. Well, let me read 40 with it as well. Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you which is spoken in the prophets. Verse 41, it's from the book of Habakkuk. Uh, Behold, you despisers, uh, and wonder and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. We think about all the wonderful, magnificent miracles that the children of Israel saw with their own eyes. Yet all those above the age 20 that came out of Egypt saw the Red Sea split. The Bible says their carcasses fell in the wilderness. They were apathetic to what they saw God do. It didn't move them. It didn't change them. Isn't that sad? But I want to tell you something. Same thing's going on today. And I want to tell you something, believer. You can fall into apathy uh, as well. And he says, beware. The Jew certainly rejected God's leading. And, and as a matter of fact, Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5 is where that comes from. We do know that Jerusalem, Judah, would fall to the Babylonians because of their apathy. And really, that's the, the I would say, the crux of our message is just like Paul shared all that he had shared God is trying to get us today, whether saved or lost, to realize something, that he is working all the time, primarily for the salvation of man, yet man despises, man rejects, man holds in contempt the great doings of God. They don't leave him changed in any way. And if that be the case for some here today, you need to be aware of some things. Because it's a dangerous thing to hear the truth. It's a dangerous thing to see the truth, yet still push that truth away. You hear what I'm saying? So important to understand it. To refuse to believe is a dangerous thing, whether you're saved or you're lost. It's dangerous to know that you need to get right with God, yet you do not. That's all I want to share about the danger of apathy. Number one, the danger of Christian apathy. What is apathy? It's a lack of emotion, and we're, we're not emotionless, but it's a lack of emotion. Here's why the lack of emotion is a lack of emotion based on no interest or concern. You're not excited because you don't care. That's apathy. You hear about somebody getting saved, you're like, oh, that's good. Yeah. That's apathy. Hey, we need some people serving. We need, we need this, we need that. Oh, I hope, hope, I hope that happens. That's apathy. Uh, it, it's reading a Bible verse, uh, a scripture in the Bible that 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 for a second or two it gets a hold of your heart and then you just kind of dismiss it and say, well, that's for somebody else. That's apathy. Too many professing Christians, they sit and they hear the Word of God preached and get unaffected by it. I've never understood that. And then after a while, they get despised. They just start to despise it at times. Amen. That old preacher, he just always talked about how we ought to do this. Now, I wish he'd preach more about love. Right. But Paul warns the lost. By the way, just study the preaching of Christ and you'll see he preached a whole lot more about doing right than he ever did love. Amen. 
So Paul warns the lost. Christians need to remember this as well, to hear the truth and yet not believe or obey or, or yield to it is a very dangerous thing. And I realize, uh, you know, I was sharing some things uh, here the other day with a group of men, and, and uh, you know, when I first got saved, I was still pretty rough around the edges. Yeah, I still am in a lot of ways. And what I'm saying is, is I remember I started uh, going to church faithfully and, and uh, you know, uh, went to church down the south. They fling it down pretty good down that way, and, you know, they're pretty much more hellfire and brimstone preaching than the other, I suppose, or it was at one time. Uh, but what I'm trying to say is there were a lot of things I didn't really want to hear. <laughs> I didn't really like that. You know, sometimes I kind of walked away with a chip on my shoulder even. But at the end of the day, it was Bible. It was Bible. And uh, we've all heard something preached that we didn't want to hear. Has that ever happened to you? Happens to me. It even happens to me sometimes today. Have you ever read something in the Bible that you wish you hadn't read? You ever read something in the Bible you wish you hadn't read? Boy, I wish I didn't know that. Why do we do that? Because now we know. Now we know we need to do it. But what do we do? We read it. We know we need to do it, but we don't. So here's what we do. We start making excuses in my life. My situation is so unique and so different from all the 8 billion people on the planet that God's going to excuse me. (laughs) Amen? Woe is me! (laughs) So listen, uh, it's a dangerous thing to not yield to what we hear. And all of a sudden, when you do that, you're heading down a slippery slope. The the Scriptures no longer stir you. And when the Scriptures stop dealing with you, the preaching is going to stop dealing with you. Pretty soon, the preaching is boring. Church, drudgery, that you put up with occasionally. Even seeing folks get saved doesn't seem to stir you up anymore. And the next step after apathy is what we would call spiritual bankruptcy. And then all of a sudden, your apathy turns into living recklessly, carelessly. The things of this world, all of a sudden, you're one time you wasn't comfortable with it. Now you're okay with it. Man, I'm okay with that. You know what, they, you know what you're doing there is your, your eyes are getting used to the darkness. It doesn't affect you the way it should. Preaching, which is light... Instead of helping you, all of a sudden it makes you uncomfortable. Like when you walk into from a dark room to a light room, it makes you squint. All of a sudden, the great things of God seem like strange things. That's the result of spiritual apathy. And you find yourselves criticizing the sermons you hear. As I said a while ago, making excuses because you're so unique. Things that used to maybe possibly cut you to your heart with conviction... They no longer bother you. And if this is you, I just want to understand you to understand that you're headed in the, in the wrong direction and you need to beware. But I also have some wonderful news that even in our rebellion, God's always working. Just like He has been in Israel. Paul explains all that. He's still working. Do you realize that God is changing lives? Not only is God changing lives, listen to me, backslidden Christian, He is fixing lives. Hey, man, he's repairing lives, repairing relationships. And I've seen God take people, believers, 
that were strong in the Lord but got back into the world and began to grow indifferent, that, that had apathy. I've seen them uh, uh, get, you know, that they were struggling with Him and the church and, and people and preachers. They fall into that rebellion to the truth. But I've seen God continue to work in their lives and sometimes it was pretty rough. Sometimes it took something pretty powerful to get their attention. That's why Paul said, beware. But in the end, God got a hold of their hearts. And they're once again serving the Lord with vigor and excitement and love in their hearts. I say again, beware of apathy. There's a great need for Christians to live as Christians. Wouldn't you believe that today? So we mustn't be reckless about our faith in God. We must beware of the danger of apathy. Let's talk about America. You know, I've made some connections here that uh, if we would apply being a good American to being a good church member, the same things that make you a good American, apply that to your church life, we could turn the world around in a matter of months. Amen. Unchecked apathy. What about America? I don't know about you, but I believe some people say, will God judge America? Listen, he already is. America, I believe, is judged for a lot of things, but I believe it really just comes down to apathy. Indifference to the truth. Indifference to what is right based on the Word of God. Paul made that reference to the book of Habakkuk, chapter 1. You'll find, uh, if you were to go there, I don't want you to do it today, but you'll find a description of the destruction of Jerusalem. God's own people have become so apathetic, listen, because they had become wicked. You see, being uh, apathetic turns to spiritual bankruptcy. Spiritual bankruptcy turns to wickedness. It all begins with apathy. As you study your Bible, you will learn that there's different types of judgments, even different times of judgments. Some judgments swoop down like an eagle grabbing a fish out of the river, but some judgments are a process, something that's decaying from the inside until some type of outside force finishes the job. And I believe that explains America today. America could face certainly a sweeping instant judgment at any time, but we as a country, we have been decaying from the inside for quite some time. And it's not the lost people that's the problem. It's the saved people that's the problem. It's all these empty pews, not only in this church, but the churches across America is why America is the way that it is. You remember that when you decide to lay out a church. Don't complain about how things are in America. Hey, listen, get over your apathy and serve the Lord. Praise God. I told myself I wasn't going to get loud today. But, uh, you know, it just behooves me. I just just stand in, in amazement sometimes of the double standard that we want people to do for America, but we won't do for God. Come on now. And America is paying for it. But all we got to do is look in the mirror and see the problem. You know, in the recent years, we've seen a lot of terrible things happen right here on our own soil that many of you, that older group, probably would never have thought would have happened. But here it is. God's already been judging America. How many of you here have heard of Mays Jackson? One guy. Oh, man. Just look him up. We need more Mays Jacksons preaching today. 
any. I think he died in the 90s. But he spoke, I believe I read the message, I might have heard it, but he spoke, even then, this was probably 70s, 80s, but he spoke of the terrible condition of America even years ago. And he laid the blame at the feet of three groups of people, all starting with a P. Politicians, preachers, and parents. Whoa, it was a good one. <laughs> we ought to just maybe show it one, one evening, amen. Politicians, parents, or politicians, preachers, and parents. That's what's wrong with America, and I believe he's right. Politicians, blatantly immoral in character, but they get reelected. Preachers, so apathetic to sin, they don't even preach against it anymore. And we wonder why the church don't have any power. And probably the worst of all, Parents that are so apathetic that the thought of their children dying without Christ don't even cross their minds. That's a loss of natural affection. I believe old Brother Mays was exactly right. And for those reasons and some more, God is already judging America and we're paying the price today. Proverbs 14.34 says, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. I don't think we'd do any harm to that verse if we said, Righteousness exalteth a local New Testament church, but a sin is a reproach to any people. I think we could say that righteousness exalteth a daddy, but sin is a reproach to any people. You get my drift? Psalms 33.12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is Lord. Let me ask you something. I don't believe in lordship salvation, but if you are saved, he ought to be the Lord of your life. And you know how I can tell if he is or he isn't? He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Apathy. Apathy. But here's the good news, and I'll be done. God forgives apathy. Aren't you glad? Never too late to get your heart right with God. Saved or lost. Verse 41 after he gives the warning and beware, verse 40 says, Behold, ye despisers, and wonder, and perish. You see, those who despise the works of God, who see and hear the truth, week after week after week, yet do not yield, yet keep turning away, the Bible says that they are in danger of perishing. And the word perishing means a lot of different things in the Bible. Here, I believe it is specifically talking about being destroyed, wiped out, uh, Separated from God, we might think of those who perish in hell. But if you look that word up, that perish, it can also mean to be suffused with shame. It can mean, listen, it can mean overwhelmed and confounded. That describes a lot of people today, doesn't it? They're overwhelmed, they're confounded, they're, they're carrying around a load of guilt, they're suffused with shame. They're aggravated, they're short-tempered, they're, they're emotional, they're, they're, they're crying one minute and, and, and laughing the next minute and being angry the next minute. These things aren't right in their life. What's, what's going on? They're perishing, overwhelmed, confounded, suffused with shame. I believe that describes a lot of people today, even believers. And I wonder if there might be some here that, that are overwhelmed and confounded. Are there some that are searching for the, 
the, you know, a lot of times we, you know, we're looking for the true meaning and purpose of life. But we don't want to do what God says. It's amazing to me. But do you know that the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect a different result? That's the definition of insanity. Well, that didn't work, but here I go again. I'm going to try the same thing. Amen. Well, God got me out of that, but I'm just going to go right back and keep doing the same thing. Well, it didn't work. God saved me. Help me, Lord. Get me out of this. And He does. But we go right back and do the very same. We expect different. We want to do the same thing, but expect different results. Hey, listen, that's apathy. That's not caring about what God is trying to tell you. And you'll pay a price. Do you feel you're perishing? Do you feel that you might be slipping away as we think about spiritual bankruptcy and, and even getting into wickedness? It's always heartbreaking to see believers get away from God and go back into the world. The Bible says it's like a dog returning to its vomit. You say, preacher, that's pretty gross. Well, that ought to give you an idea how bad that is. God doesn't like it. We have a compassionate God, and He can forgive apathy even right this moment. And no matter, I don't know your heart, God does. And no matter where you may be today, spiritually, there is no one out of the reach of God's love and compassion I want to say that again. There is no one out of the reach of God's love and compassion. He wants to work a great work in your life. Whether you're a Christian, you've gotten away from Him, He wants you back. He's waiting. And most definitely, if you're lost, behold, I stand at the door and knock, Jesus says. And it's through faith that we open that door and accept Him as our Savior. As long as the blood pumps through your body and the air moves through your lungs, there's not a one person alive that God can't reach. Amen. And it could be, again, whether saved or lost, there might be some of us here this morning that really needs to let God get a hold of their heart, break through the apathy, forget all the silly excuses that you've been making, why you don't do what you know you need to be doing. Turn to Him today. You might need some forgiveness in your life. I want you to understand, He does. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Turn to Him. Don't despise Him. Do not turn away from God. Don't turn away from this message. There might have been some things that I said that rubbed your fur the wrong way. It's like the man said, you know, he was petting his cat, but he was rubbing the fur the wrong way. So you know what he did? He turned the cat around. Hey, listen, if God is rubbing your fur the wrong way, you need to turn around. Because God only rubs in one direction. Hallelujah! That was pretty good. I'm Write that down, hon. I need to remember that. That'd make a good sermon. Turn the cat around. I want you to understand that it's not about me. And, and I know this is a tough message. And I know a lot of my messages are. But folks, we're losing the battle. As church, we're losing the battle. And souls weigh in the balance. There are many preachers across the country that are so involved in trying to get the carnal Christian to do what they need to do that we're really not able to focus on seeing people saved. Apathy is a terrible thing. 
And I sure would hate to see you leave here today the same way you came in. It's not always easy to admit that you're wrong about something. I don't like it any more than anybody. But I want you just to understand that if we want to see our lost loved ones saved and we want the same kind of America that perhaps we got to grow up in, if we want to see Central Calvary Baptist Church here five, ten years from now, we got to deal with this thing called apathy. Amen. Amen. I wonder who might respond to his work this morning or will you just remain unmoved, unchanged? God is telling you, beware of apathy. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed as our pianist begins to play. I'm just going to have a quick word of prayer. I believe the whole sermon was really an invitation to reach out to those that, first of all, if you're not saved, maybe you've been taking the things of God too lightly. You need to come and be saved. You come and get my attention, and we'll get somebody to take the Word of God and show you how to be saved. And Christian, if you're here, maybe you've been dealing with some apathy, maybe not in every aspect of the Christian life, but maybe apathetic when it comes to soul winning, maybe apathetic when it comes to faithfulness to the church, service, or just apathetic towards the things of God. I believe if we'd fill this altar up this morning with God's people, that he would give us a a clear sign that he loves us and he wants to work in our lives.